Welcome to the gathering at Adel. We want to wish you guys a happy new year. We're excited for the year 2023. We believe that this is the year for revival for the church. Today's message is the first in the series over revival, and it's titled Heart Transformation. Man, I, I, I love New Year's. I, I love kind of getting to start over. I can remember growing up, there was a gaming system, that, just the regular Nintendo. There's a couple of kids in here. You don't know what that is, but it, it was it's actually better than anything you've ever had at this point in your life. Uh, it was glorious. And uh, I, I love playing games. I love playing video games. I still play them today. I'll probably play some today. I love it. I know. Don't judge me. But the best thing about the Nintendo gaming system is, and, and I get a little, I'm a little competitive if you don't know that about me. I, I, there's not many things that I would rather do than lose. Uh, I, I might die before I lose. I just like to win. If we're going to play, I'm going to win. I'm, I'm going to cheat, steal, try, whatever I got to do to try to win. I like to win. Uh, the kids won't play games with me. Uh, it's hard to even get them to play. I was like, hey, y'all want to play Rummy Cube? And they're like, no, you cheat. I'm like, come on, let's just play. I won't cheat this time. And I won't as long as I'm winning and things are going my way. I, I play by the rules. As soon as they don't, then I have to pull out some tricks. But uh, I, I can remember one, I would always play the Nintendo. And at that point in the gaming system, it's a little more complicated, and those of you that are now using them to stream your TV, you're like, yes, they are more complicated. But before, it was just like two buttons. It was power and then reset. And I cannot tell you how many times, you know, playing football game or basketball game, third quarter, fourth quarter, man, I would just hit that reset button. I'd be playing, whether you know, you're playing your buddy, and it's like not going my way, and I'd just be like, Hey, boom, right there, hit reset. And they're like, what did you do? I'm like, oh, I don't know, the game must be messing up. You know, you have to pull the cartridge out, blow it. And I'm like, I don't know. I love that reset button. It was just like, mm, do over. And then you, you get to go again, and then sometimes I would win, and sometimes I'd have to hit that reset button again. But, man, it, you just get that quick little reset. And nowadays on the, on the PlayStation, it's a little more difficult, but I have found a way that uh, causes uh, turmoil in the household if I'm losing uh, and, and it's fun. They'll, they'll be on a breakaway towards the end of the game running because uh, we're always playing a football game. And I'll just hit this middle button on the PlayStation. It takes it to like the blue screen, the home screen. And it's like, it, but they're still running and my guys catch up and tackle them. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I hit the wrong button. I meant to dive. So I, lo I love like a reset. Like, okay, hey, let's just do that all over with. And, and that's honestly what I love about New Year's is the the reset, and I will tell you, I'm not a big New Year's Eve or New Year's resolution guy uh, because I, I just not, I, you know, I, for probably 10 years, I said, Lord, this is going to be the year I don't drink Dr. Pepper, and then, you know, I've already had two today, so, so I've just learned over time I'm not going to do that and set resolution, because what I find about the New Year's resolution is that what we're trying to do is modify behavior without the transformation of the heart. And, and so today's a great day to reset, but not to, not to reset and say, okay, now this is the year I'm not going to, man, to, to hit that reset button and go, man, Lord, this is the year I'm going to live for your kingdom. 
And, and if that looks like this, then great. If it looks like this, great. But you know, really, like, I, I, I'm believing, I'm praying over you guys that, that this year is a year that we experience revival like we've never seen before. And, and I, I know I can say that in that word revival. It, it can mean a lot of different things. I know growing up in Strawn, a small community, revival meant uh, they were going to bring an outside evangelist in. And all the churches are going to get along for about four days, you know, just a couple hours at a time each day. But you're going to get together. We're going to have it in the community center in Strawn. And, man, people are going to come. And that's going to be awesome. And it was awesome for four days. And then they leave it. Everybody goes back to the way that they were because it wasn't re really revival. It was trying to modify behaviors. We, they wanted us to quit doing this and to start doing this without a heart change. And it's impossible to do that. And so when I say, like, I'm praying that, that this year is a year of revival, I'm absolutely saying, man, this is going to happen. Like, like, and revival can look like that. Revival can also be, I know uh, some old friends of mine are here, and uh, revival looked like a certain way at one point, extended meetings and uh, nights on end, uh, six, seven weeks at a time, signs, wonders, miracles that you've you wouldn't believe. If I told you all the things that happened, you'd say you're a liar. And I'd say, no, I promise you this stuff happened. Like it can look a lot of different ways. And I think so many times when we talk revival, we're talking revival out there. But really the word is saying revival has to be right here first. We will not have corporate revival until there is personal revival, until there is revival in my heart, till there is revival in your heart, till there is revival in your family, in your job, in your school, like then the church will begin to explode with revival. But we want revival to be pushed off on all of everybody else, and we want to just come and get to experience it without actually having to have that heart transformation. But revival, and we're going to be spending a couple of weeks on this, but revival is this. It is heart transformation plus unveiled eyes, plus renewed minds. That is revival. And, and that can look like meetings that go on, that can be six weeks at a time, that can be bringing in evangelists. It can look like a lot of different things. But the revival that we are interested in is not a behavior modification revival. It is a revival of heart transformation, of eyes being unveiled, seeing the truth for the first time. And it's for our minds to be renewed, to begin to think a certain way that we haven't before. And so we're going to be speaking on heart transformation today because I think this is one of the most crucial things to our walks with, the, with God. Religion focuses on behavior modification. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. There's actually more don'ts than, than do's. And as soon as you get it figured out, they change it. Because religion is about behavior modification. But religion does not penetrate the depths of our heart. You see, New Year's Eve, New Year's, Eve, New Year's resolution, like we'll be, there will be a lot of people that, will, that make them. Y'all are probably some of them. So I'm not judging you or speaking ill of you. But, you know, like, hey, I'm, this is the year I'm going to eat healthy. <laughs> yeah, y'all laughed. You're like, yeah, said that, been there, done that, been there, haven't done that. Because what happens is that we want to go on a diet for a short-term result, but we actually don't want it to become a lifestyle because that's too invasive. We want to do a whole 30 because at the end of 30 days, then I can go back to the junk that I ate before that. That's not the goal, but that's what happens. I've done it three times, right? <laughs> we take these short-term Behavior modifications, 
And we expect them to be long-term, but our hearts haven't changed. A diet is not supposed to be 20 years. A diet is a short-term solution that leads to a lifestyle change. They say that it takes 21 to 28 days to form a habit. If you do something every day, consistently 21 to 28 days, then you will form a habit. But habits are just behavior modifications. They say that it actually takes up to 254 days of consistency to develop a lifestyle change. So, so you, you, you want to eat healthy. Okay, you do that. And 21 to 28 days, you, you can get that, and that's now a habit. But in order for that to be a lifestyle change, it now requires 254 consecutive, consistent days for it to become part of your lifestyle. And we stop. Most of us don't even get to the 21 to the 28 days to establish a habit. But, but we get to the 21, 28 days and we're like, okay, this is good. You get to 31, 32, 33 and then, then you, you slough off because all it did was change your behavior. It didn't really change the way that you viewed things. You see, for, in order for a diet to work, you cannot just give up certain foods. Like, I, they, they've written thousands and millions of books on diets, and, and I, I don't know why we need more books on diets. We all know, like, I don't have to look up the nutritional fact of a salad. It's good for me. I don't have to look up the nutritional fact, fact of a Twinkie. I know that. Like, why are you trying to tell me? But what, what's happened is they're trying to modify your behavior and go, to see that Twinkie is bad, or, or don't eat that, eat this. But what they don't do is they don't tell you why. You see, in order for a diet to be successful, for it to become a lifestyle, you have to have a heart change about the way that you view food. Instead of viewing it as just whatever and it's just mine and I can do whatever I want. You have to begin to view food in a certain way, in a better way, in a way that I don't. And I really have no experience to talk to you about this. But this is what I'm going with. But, but not only that, then you have to begin to view your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Then you have to begin to treat it in such a way. And so what happens is when you begin to view food a certain way, when you begin to view your body a certain way, that creates a lifestyle change. Religion is all about behavior modification. But they don't tell you why. They, they don't show you the who that is behind it. And so when we talk revival, we're talking heart transformation. I, I don't, I don't want to stand up here and say, hey, every day you need to, you're going to read your Bible, you're going to pray, you're going to journal, you're going to do this, this, and that. Because that is behavior modification. And those can work for, for, for a period of time. And, and you, you might be better than most. You might be able to go 21, 28 days. There are people that can go a, long, a lot longer than that. But to do it in such a way where your heart is not transformed, it's a waste of time. You can, you can open up the word and you can read it every single day. You can mark that check off. You can post your verse on Facebook. You can journal about it. If you're only doing it for a surface level to feel better about yourself, to brag that you read through the Bible in a year, you've lost the point. You, you've wasted your time. When, when we talk about heart transformation, it's about changing the way that we view the word of God. Changing the way that we view our time in prayer with the Lord. It, you could read the same verse every day for a year and you would know more about the Lord 
than if you read the whole word without trying to know anything. You know what I'm saying? Like you can read the same verse every day for an entire year, and you'll actually be further along spiritually than if you read the whole Bible without the heart to be transformed, to just do it. It's not about your behaviors. It's about your heart. And so we're going to read, if you want to turn with me to a little-known little known book, uh, Joel chapter 2. It's a little bitty guy. You'll flip right past it if you're not careful. Joel chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 12 and 13. It says, even now, if you didn't have your Bible, it should be up on the screen. Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. You know, sometimes when, most of the time, you know, you go to a butcher and you'll, you'll get a cut of meat, get some uh, hamburger meat or whatever. They, they package it up, make it all nice and neat, and, and here you go. T today, it, today, it's just going to be like you walked into the butcher and he just, hey, I need a pound of hamburger meat. And he just put it in your hand, and you're going to walk away with a pound of hamburger meat in your hand. And, and you're going to have to take some work and dissect it because it's not fully developed in my mind yet. The Lord is, is speaking to us and, and trying to get us something new. So if you're like, man, this, this doesn't seem very well packaged together, just know, hey, that's your homework this week. Take the message, go, Lord, what, what was that? Okay, we can make some hamburgers out of this. This isn't bad. But what I love about this is the transformed heart. He says, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes. You know, back then the, a sign of distress, of repentance, of mourning would be to, to tear your clothes. But... But it loses the symbolism if you're not really mourning. If you're just doing it to be seen. Rub ashes on your head just to be seen. And, and he's saying here, tear your hearts, not just your clothes. Turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. It, it starts like, how, how do we have a transformed heart? It starts with repentance. Turn to me with all of your heart. It, it means Turn around. You're going this way, turn around. Change your thinking. It's not just like change your direction, but it's also change your thinking. To have a transformed heart is a heart that loves repentance. We've made repentance this, this evil word, like going to the principal's office because we're in trouble. But repentance is not an evil thing. It's set up by God. Because if you don't have a need of repentance, then why do you need to be saved? If you never ask for forgiveness for your sins, then what are you actually being saved from? If you're like, oh, no, it, it was finished, it, it's been bought, it's been paid for, I'm already forgiven. Absolutely you are. But you still have to turn your heart to him. You still have to tear your heart and not just your clothes. You don't get to just pretend like everything is okay and, and not deal with anything. We are sinners. But that's not our identity anymore. It says now we're saints, we're, we're royal priesthood, we're, we're a chosen nation, but yet we still sin. But we're not defined by our sin. Our first step in having a transformed heart is one that goes to him in repentance. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
the reason we think it's bad because we think that we're going to have to be full of shame and guilt. I mean, like we, we repent before the Lord. But the word of God says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. What if we practiced that? We're not going to, don't worry. Like, but what if we did? Like, everybody's like, hey, uh, I think I should get some lunch plans. We're going to slip out a little early. But it says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. We've made repentance where it's just, man, this is just me and the Lord. No, man. We've cheapened repentance because we don't want to come face to face with the fact that we are ugly, that we are broken, that we are lost, and that we are in need of a Savior. We think if we just confess it before the Lord, Lord, we're good. If I sin against my wife and I only repent to Him, where's the healing and the grace in that? If I can't go to my wife with my sins, then where's the relationship? Is it that fragile, that weak? She already sees them anyways. It's just me confessing to her what she already knows and sees. But what's made it so gross for inside the church that we can't go to one another and, and confess, man, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Hey, I said this word. I had this thought. I looked at this image. I, I cheated on my taxes. Like, like why, why have we become so prideful that we can't go to one another? We can't, we can't even allow other people to come to us. Have you ever noticed if anyone, like, I, I'm so fortunate enough that, that me and this uh, friend of mine, we have a great relationship where we're able to confess our sins to one another. And at, at first I, I would start to confess it, and he'd be like, no, man, you're forgiven. I got you. You're good. I said, no, man, I haven't even confessed it yet. But it got to the point, like, at the very beginning, it was so uncomfortable that just the fact of me coming to him at that point, and he was like, dude, you're good. The Lord loves you. I'm like, I haven't even said it, man. What are you talking about? You need to hear what I'm about to say. Maybe you won't say I'm, I'm forgiven. You know, I'm like, no, I want to say it. I want you to hear what I did. Because I want you to pronounce healing and forgiveness over me. I don't want you to just wash over it. I want you to hear the words that I said, the thoughts that I had, the images that I looked at. I want to confess them to you because I want you to pronounce healing and forgiveness over me. And why have we become such a place that that's an evil thing? Repentance is beautiful. To, to confess your sins to one another and for that person to go, and by your confession of faith, I pronounce healing over you, to pray over you, to still be friends with you after 20 years of me and him doing this. That's the beauty of repentance. So I might hide behind some things to you guys, but to him, fully exposed before him, I say, man, here, here, here's where it is this week, man. I just can't get it right. I'm struggling. I'm believing the lies of the enemy. I'm giving in. I just need you to forgive me. I need you to pronounce that over me. And when he does, it's like, man, this is beautiful. He says, turn your hearts to me. 
You cannot turn your heart to him without repentance. It's the basis of the gospel. Jesus said, what? In Mark, in Mark chapter 1, he said, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. Like, like we've, we've put off repentance for later on or, or we store it all up and we just do a one big confession at the end of the week. But he says, repent and believe. Why do we not repent as much? Because we don't believe that he really is faithful to forgive us. That he's already forgiven us of it. That, that it's not gonna, going to affect our relationship. But here's the thing. Repentance is only bringing it out into the light. He sees all. He knows all. It's not like you're getting away with anything. I mean, you might get away with it on this earth, but you're going to stand before him face to face, and he's going to see it all, know it all. I mean, like, like what are you really doing? When we fail to confess before our Father, we're, we're actually saying, you didn't, you didn't know about this, so I'm just going to keep this to myself. I'm going to hold on to this. But repentance is being fully exposed before him. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with the Lord. They were fully naked, and yet they felt no shame. There's a time coming where we're going to be fully exposed before him. But there won't be shame. I mean, the, the story of the prodigal son. I, I love that story, and, and you hear me quote it a lot, but that the father is there waiting for his son with a ring and a robe, not, not with judgment. But what we often overlook is the repentance in the son. That, that story was only possible because of the Lord working in the son to cause him to come back and repent. Like the father is waiting. He's waiting for you with a ring and a robe. But he's also waiting for you to see your ways. And to come running back to him for, him, for you to recognize that you're living in the filth of the pigs. When the fattened calf is waiting for you. Like, like we have to get past this idea that the father is angry and upset with us. That, that, that he, he just can't even believe that you would do this. You've walked with me for 40 years and you're going to do this again? He's waiting with a ring and a robe. He's waiting with a party and a fat, fattened calf. But he's also looking for you. He's waiting with watchful eyes. Waiting for you to turn to him. He says, turn to me with all your heart. Another version in the Greek goes, like, rend your heart. Man, repentance is a beautiful thing. It's not always comfortable. But on the other side of it, it's always beautiful and beneficial. You cannot turn your heart. You cannot have a transformed heart when you hold on to things from him. When your secret sin life that you think nobody knows about, that you're holding on to, repent today. And believe in him for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Nobody has promised tomorrow. And I'm not saying if you have unconfessed sin, then you're not in heaven. I, what I'm saying is unconfessed sin gives the enemy a foothold into your life. 
Repentance is a huge part of our walk with him because when we fail to repent, we leave an open door for the enemy to come and wreak havoc. However he chooses and whenever he chooses. And I can tell you it's never good. And it's never the, mo- the minimal damage. He always inflicts the most pain at the most crucial time. Repentance is huge because it closes the door. He says, don't give the enemy a foothold to operate in your life. Without a transformed heart, we will return to the actions and the attitudes that plague us and draw us away from God. Let me try this side of the room. That one didn't work too well. Without a transformed heart, we will return to the attitudes that plague us and draw us away from God. Because it's just behavior modification. It's only temporary. Thank you for the amen. Right? It's only temporary. Without a transformed heart, without it penetrating the depths of our heart, we will eventually return back to the old ways. Because we will not care to fight enough. Uh, One time in the middle of my whole 30, uh, I have a favorite convenience store. If you ever are wondering, like, a good convenience store, clean bathrooms, good crispitos, just hit me up. I'll let you know. Uh, I might start a blog about it one day. But, like, I, I, I have a, a favorite convenience store. And, and when I walk in, like, I, I mean, you could blindfold me. And I could walk in, walk around the chip aisle. There's a sunglass display thing for whatever. I've never seen them sell any of that. There's some hats on top. You go down the aisle. It's the candy aisle on one side, chips on another. And it leads straight to the Dr. Pepper cooler. And, and I'm in the middle of a whole 30, which means miserable. And I went there for something else. I had to go get one of the kids something. I walk into this store, not even thinking. I walk here, here, get my drink, and I go and get the something. I get up to the counter, and she starts ringing out. I said, wait a minute. I can't have that right now, sorry. You know, you take it and put it back. But, but it becomes such an automatic thing. That, that why are we got to be careful because repentance gets rid of those things that just become automatic. That, that when, I, when I'm angry, I go to this. When I'm upset, I go to this. And repentance confesses that those things as sin and bad, and it breaks the agreement with it. A transformed heart, like, like when we begin to talk about turning our hearts to him, the first, the first one says, return to me with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Fasting is denying our flesh. You want to have a transformed heart, you have to kill the flesh. Fasting kills your flesh. And so, so we're talking literal fasting, and then we're also talking to return to him, you have to kill your flesh. Deny your flesh. We, we allow our flesh to rule and reign. What we want, how we want, when we want it, th- that rules our day. Our flesh, if we're not careful, can rule and reign us. To return to him, to have a transformed heart, means I'm going to deny my flesh. That my flesh is not in control of me anymore. My flesh does not rule what I want. Do you remember uh, 
Jesus is having a, a conversation with Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3. And uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, like a, a, an educated man. And he said, man, teacher, you're good. What, what, must, what must we do, you know? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he will not enter or see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus was, goes, but how can a man be born again? Must he enter his mother's womb a second time? And this is an educated man, a Pharisee. And Jesus is like, bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, he goes you, you, must, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Because if you're born of the flesh, you're going to die. And that's what we're talking, like we have to kill the flesh. If we allow our flesh, if we give our flesh everything that it craves and wants and desires, then we will kill ourselves. Quite literally, like whether it's food, money, power, wealth, whatever it is, you will kill yourself if you don't starve your flesh. Like, like I, I, believe, I believe we're the only country that has more people dying because they overeat than not eating enough. There are countries starving for food. In America, we are dying because we eat too much. How, if I was in another place other than the pulpit, I'd say something else. How crazy is that? That we have allowed our flesh to rule in such a way that we are killing ourselves with the very thing that others are dying because they don't have. Because we've allowed our flesh to rule and reign. We get so mad at all the drugs coming across the border. Got to shut the border, all that. I mean, we're not getting political. I'm just saying, you want to get rid of the drugs that are coming across the border? Get rid of the drugs that are, the people that are doing drugs. They're only coming across the border because we are saying yes to our flesh. America is responsible for all the drugs that come this way. That might rub you all the wrong way, but it's very true. They are only coming here because we are buying in an abundance and at a rate that is crazy. That is literally killing millions of people every year because our flesh is out of control. Return to him. You want a transformed heart this year? You want 2023 to be the year of revival and the, the year where you, have, you can say, man, my heart was transformed this year. Start by denying your flesh. Come to me with weeping. We've, we've made crying such a crime among men. There are men who will go to their grave and proudly say, I haven't cried in 42 years. 17 weeks, four days, and they're proud of it. We, we've made it to where it, it's a sign of weakness. We, we, we've made it even, even for women to, to not be able to cry in front of people unless, unless they're going to feel sorry or, hey, is everything okay? Yeah, it's fine. Crying's good. I mean, if you, want, if you want your heart to be transformed, you just need to cry some this year. He says, come to me weeping. We, we, we have to be 
done with the things of this world. If the lost and the brokenness in this world does not cause you to weep, your heart is not transformed. If you can look at your fellow brothers and sisters, lost, hurt, and broken, and not weep over them, then I dare to say maybe your heart is not transformed yet. We should not rejoice in the things that the world calls evil. We should not be happy when people fail, when people are lost, they go to hell. We, we, we should come to him weeping. We should weep for our sins. We should not be proud of them. We should, our hearts should break for what breaks, for, what breaks is. Like, like, repentance is crucial, but it's got to come with weeping. We can't come proud. No. Well, Lord, you know, uh, I did it again. I drank another one. Oh, oh Lord, you, you know me. You know, I just said, said what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's got to come with weeping. Where we say, Father, forgive me for speaking about your son or your daughter that way. When, when we're talking pornography, like, like we got to quit saying, like, it's okay. Because it's not, we have to come in repentance to the Lord and say, Father, forgive me for looking at your daughter that way. Father, forgive me for not being tr a trustworthy place for your daughters to come into. Like we have to quit being okay with our sin. Our hearts have to break. True repentance comes with weeping. To not rejoice in our evil. To not rejoice in our sorrows. But to cry, to weep. He says, come to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. That mourning, that Greek word is to, to mourn as if to death. Over a death. We have to come to him mourning. Because the old is gone. And the new has come. We are to not mourn like, oh man, man that, that, that old Jeff was good. Man, I miss Jeff. I miss that Jeff. Y'all wouldn't have liked that Jeff. I might not like this Jeff, but this Jeff's better than that Jeff. We are to come with him with mourning. Because there is a death that has to occur. This, this isn't, you're not trying to be the best version of you. You're not trying to be new year, new you. And you become the best you that God has for you. You. The best you is not good. The best you is not good. See, that worked for both sides of the room that time. That's good. Jesus did not come to make you a better person. He came to call you to die because that is what is required. He said, come to me with mourning. And that mourning is over the old you that is dead and gone. There was a death that has to occur for a transformed heart to happen. And it's you. You will not become the best version of yourself by just modifying a few behaviors. You will only become the best version of yourself by dying to yourself and allowing him to live inside of you. Being filled with the spirit. Jesus came and he said, I only say what the father tells me to say and I only do what I see the father do. That's the best version of you. To remove yourself completely. To fast, to deny your flesh, to weep 
over what breaks the Lord's heart. To mourn the death. The death has to occur. He didn't, hey, Nicodemus, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be the best you that you can be. Nicodemus, if you just, you're real close to being good. If you could just change these behaviors, you know, just a little less of this, a little more of this, and then you'll be fine. He said, no, you must be born again. A transformed heart only happens when there's a death. You need a new heart. You need a new you. The old you is done and gone. Just read this one. I, I mean, First Corinthians is phenomenal. Probably not as good as Second Corinthians, though. Let's go there. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. He didn't say, change this. <laughs> Sorry, y'all are cracking up at my first second Corinthians, getting that confused. I just wrote it down. We are a new creation. We've been reconciled to God. We're ambassadors for Christ. He made him who knew no sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. The only way that your heart is going to be transformed, the only way that you're going to experience a personal revival like you've never seen before is to become a new creation. The old way of thinking has to go. The old way of doing has to go. We, we try so hard. Behavior modification is all about do, 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 do. The new creation is about be. Not what you can do, but who you can be. Who you were created to be. You'll never get there with rules and regulations of religion. A transformed heart has to go beyond that. Behavior modification will only go so far. It will not penetrate the depths of the heart. Because isn't that what we all want? I mean, this is a, a pretty good message for me to be preaching this week because uh, I'm, I'm really good at behavior modification. Change things, get, get things going on, on another path, and we're back on the right path, and then I get lazy. And then my wife reminds me that I got lazy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. All right, I get back on. Okay, here we go. And I can do it for so long, but then at some point it's going to fall off again. If I keep trying and trying and trying, striving in my own will and my own abilities, I'll fail every time. Behavior modification is all about you and your will, your strength. A transformed heart is all about the confidence in the Lord. To rest in his assurance and his salvation. We've got three weeks where we're going to be talking about revival, a transformed heart, unveiled eyes, and a renewed mind. There's no formula. Like, like if you took notes today and you take notes the next couple of weeks, and you're like, okay, if I just do this, this, and this, Jeff said it's all going to work out. It's not going to if you try to figure out that formula because there is no formula. You have to just be a son or a daughter of God. You have to walk in the assurance of your salvation. 
You have to deny your flesh. I can't do that for you. I can't give you the formula for you to deny your flesh because you have your own things that you have to deal with. But Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You don't have to do it on your own, and you were never meant to. Kelly's going to, so what we're going to, Kelly is going to, or is everyone coming up? Everybody's coming up. We're going to end with a, with a song, more of a declaration over us as we begin this new year. And so what, what I want us to do as they're coming up, just close your eyes with me and, and ask the Lord, Father, what, what is it that you want me to take away from today?